Hey, wonderfuls. Welcome to episode 341 of the JV Club with my marvelous guest, Rebecca Lavoie. I have been a fan of Rebecca's for quite some time. I'm an avid listener to her podcast, Crime Writers On. She also has uh, several other wonderful podcasts. Um, I would direct you to uh, the Crime Writers On uh, Partners in Crime Media Patreon page. There's a lot of information on a lot of the good stuff that those folks have got going on. And uh, I will say, and I don't think I said this uh, during the episode itself, that I'm hard-pressed to think of a group of people who are providing more bang for your buck if you are a Patreon supporter. So, well done. Um, And I hope you'll enjoy this conversation. Now, on the flip side, if you are coming to this podcast because you're a fan of Rebecca's and you don't know my podcast... I got to tell you, this is a conversation. It is not a straight interview. Uh, you will be forced to listen to me talk about myself a lot. Part of that uh, is because, you know, Rebecca and I uh, think each other are great. And so it was a really great opportunity for us to get to know each other and just sit and jaw like two gals at a beauty salon in the 1950s. So bear that in mind. Enjoy the episode and I'll talk to you soon. You were saying we were talking before I started record, uh, and you, of course, being a consummate professional, were already recording. So now, always uh, roll, I'm, Janet. I'm always be best. rolling. You, there's nothing worth saying unless it's being recorded for the general <laughs> public's consumption. <laughs> or Not Patreon. one thing. <laughs> or pa- or Patreon. Boy, that's a good. That's a good. Uh, yeah, this is a good disclaimer. Um, uh, but we, but you just underwent uh, some wonderful leg surgery. Now, if memory serves, just from being a listener to your podcast, this is something that is like a a surgery to correct something that didn't quite get corrected the first time. Like, was it your second surgery on your leg? Am I crazy? No, I broke my leg back in December. And there when you get old, shit doesn't heal, Janet. That's what Ugh, I learned. I like know. this injury that I had, if I'd been like. 17 I would have been fine in six weeks but it just never healed right and like the crack was still there every time I went and got an x-ray so I went under the knife on Friday and got totally knocked out in this like weird orthopedic surgery theater where the prep area was so small I felt like I was in the midst of an interactive play watching nurses do their job (laughs) on a stage uh and yeah and so yeah they went in and they put in some like plates and screws and dug out some they like cut bone off one place and shoved it in the crack until like I don't know I don't understand how orthopedics works but apparently I'm gonna be fine I've just been super high on oxy for the last few days which is its own adventure were you on did you take oxy when when you broke your leg no I think I was on the Vicodin train back when I broke Mm -hmm. my leg Vicodin of course being the most like uh, acceptable socially uh, opioid, right? That's the one that like you can you can tell your mom you took one and she's not going to be like, oh my God, those things can right. kill you. Like, that's I mean, that's what Vicodin is for me anyway. So no, I think this is my first time ever on the Oxy. I totally get it though. I get why people like it. 
I mean, that's that's I listen, I am absolutely one of those people who tries to avoid opi- opioids at all costs. I don't know what I think is going to happen to me that suddenly my whole life will change and I, <laughs> I will become an addict. But possibly, possibly that's what I'm fearing. It only takes but once. Also, that's what they say. It only takes it only takes once. And uh, and also my experience, uh, the the couple of times that I was prescribed Vicodin years ago, uh, I did not have a positive experience. Like mm-hmm. I am definitely one of those people who did not understand what was pleasant about Vicodin because it made me extremely (laughs) depressed, like very depressed, which is kind of what alcohol does to me. Like at a certain point, uh, I don't get happily buzzed. I just cut straight to the like Dylan Thomas suicide moment of like, my brain is too big for my head in terms of the dark thoughts. I think I better end it. It's because you care. I mean, that's the thing. So I learned when I, uh, like years ago, right after I had my first kid, I had this horrible eye pain that I woke up with in the middle of the night. It turns out it was this terrible, like eye infection that was inside my eye. And that Mm. was the first time I'd ever been prescribed. I don't remember if it was, I think it was Vicodin. That was my first ever Vicodin experience. And basically what the doctor told me in like a a really key moment of transparency, which has changed the way that I look at these kinds of drugs forever, is that the point of that drug was not so much for the pain. It was to make me care less about the pain because eye pain oh, wow. apparently is like one of the most panic inducing kinds of pain you can have. Like if somebody has like a sharp pain in their eye, they feel like they're going to die. Like they're not going to like it, it, it incites a bunch of other feelings that aren't great medically, like like wanting to scratch at your eye, for instance. Yeah. So, yeah. Until so, you scratch it right out to get to the pain. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably what you're feeling is that like what that effect of it is, is literally they want you to care less about what's going on with yourself. And mine just and mine just roller coastered into like existential ennui. It didn't. There was no stop at at like, nah, I don't care. Why am I, I so mean, tall? Is, oh, I <laughs> that's my number one, my number one regret. I don't know. My number one. One can't accept the reality of my my situation. You nailed it. Um, yeah, I had my first. Uh, I've had migraines before, but I had never had. Well, I've had what I can only assume were migraines before. I guess I didn't. I don't know. Uh, all I can do is like you know tell my symptoms to someone else, and then a doctor says like that's a migraine. But I've also had headaches that I'm pretty sure weren't migraines, and they weren't that different. But I've had my first quote unquote aura uh a few months ago have you have have you ever experienced this no although i i okay. know enough people with eye migraines to know that it sounds a it sounds fucking terrible but also it sounds like you think you're crazy like that's that's like the one symptom that seems to pop out like you think you're crazy because you're either seeing something or feeling something or all of a sudden you're lying on the floor or you're doing something or light hurts or whatever like that seems to be the overriding migraine symptom is that right yes yes and I will say this number one uh my biggest fear is going completely crazy and be, and someone can't pull me back from the edge and I just end up in an institution. So I, I feel like I would have very quickly been a sanitarium even a hundred years ago, uh, possibly less, um, just because I have um, like feelings. <laughs> but uh, she's but, hysterical. <laughs> she's hyster- yeah, her vapors, her vapors. Um, but I, I this this aura, the my the first thing. And I'm very lucky that that Brandon, my my sweetie, my partner, my fiance, whatever. Uh, I don't mean that dismissively. I just hate the word fiance. Um, but he, I'm gl- I'm so lucky fiance. that he is my my current my my current my present for the moment 
Beyonce. <laughs> uh, he's had them, and uh, which I actually is the one of the only guys I've ever known who's experienced migraines. Usually, it is women in my life who have had them. But uh, I was watching television, and I already had a mild headache, um, and I all of a sudden started to see this wiggle on the left side of just my left eye. And I, I really did think I was going crazy. And then my next thought was like, well, I guess I'm going to go blind tonight. Like just immediately <laughs> catastrophizing. But it was such a specific, strange, like like lightning bolt shape, ziggy ziggle thing that uh, that is sort of when you look at a television and, and something is off with the color or it, it sort of does that thing where suddenly you can kind of see the pixelation or you can see the like red, green, blue lines or whatever. And... I, and when I turned away from the television, that shape was still there and it was doing it to my reality. And I definitely freaked out. I was like, what is happening to me? And as I was describing it to Brandon in the terms of I think I might be going blind or whatever it was that I said, he was like, oh, no, that's an aura. And and I said, are you fucking kidding me? That's called an aura. An hmm. aura is supposed to be like a mysterious, foggy, like color halo. I mean, an aura does not I couldn't have been more surprised like oh this this is this is what constitutes an aura and maybe that's not true for every for everyone but it was such a weird like 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 psychological like technological fritz of my eye that it, I thought I, it just couldn't have felt more like separate from something that's supposed to be like oh you have this i see your aura is blue <laughs> like i feel like it's a huge misnomer the way you described it i don't know it, what i would call it but yeah it sounds like one of those like 1980s mtv graphics that they would <gasps> put over everything yes yes like the that squ- is squiggle. what it was like yeah that's how yeah, you like a weird right stop motion animation thing yes. it just wiggles and wiggles and wiggles that yes. is exactly what it was like oh we've now it was almost in yeah. an m shape maybe i just love mtv <laughs> it definitely wasn't it, it it was like a sideways m or do i love ever, harry potter uh, do you ever uh, see your floaters you ever see those like oh yeah i get floaters hairs? all the time i get, I get so all the time. i forget about them for like two years and then all of a sudden yeah. i see them one day and it's all i can see for like four days and i'm like what is going on who shaved their legs yeah. on top of my eyes and let all the hairs <laughs> fall in and now i have you to watch what? them float around it's so weird it's so yeah weird. float floaters are super weird and and i agree with you that they are things that kind of drift in and out of your awareness and for me that's also like tinnitus which is to say i if i were an unhappy person in other ways i could absolutely be one of those people who is like I can't I can't function in my life I have tinnitus because if I if I because I I feel like yeah you know if I really think about it if I'm in a completely soundless room there is a ringing in my ears right like it's mild but it's absolutely there and then if you really tune in on it then it's like oh this is this would make someone crazy (laughs) but I'm just gonna ignore it and so then I don't think about it and then I don't think about it for like two years that's right that's right it's sort of like um when people say they can smell the inside of their nose, which I have never been able to do. <laughs> but I've always wondered about the people who say I they can do yeah, that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I've been able to do that. I definitely feel like smell molecules that are really awful stay with my nose longer mm, where I'm yeah. like, I still smell dog shit. Am I crazy? I still smell dog shit and I and I'm not wearing the shoes anymore and I'm inside <laughs> and it's been two days. Like well, why do I still smell dog shit? And in particular, I mean that shit is it does stay with you. It really does. Plus there's also like the fear of the dog shit they should give out vicodin for that <laughs> like <laughs> stop 
stop caring about the smell of dog shit because you stepped in dog it four days shit, ago. Vicodin. It's like a microdose. It's a microdose of Vicodin. That's kind of all you need. But yep. yeah. Were you, when you were uh, a, a teenager, did you have little like paranoias? Were you one of those kids who, who did kind of have the, the, a fear of various things happening or were you more of a carefree, like, oh, I'm invincible kid? I was 100% the opposite of carefree. I was so yeah. unbelievably self-conscious about every aspect of my speech and my dress and my manner with other people, everything. I, I think that like, I watch shows where there's, you know, a teenager with an inner monologue and I know it's supposed to be like a character thing. And I'm just like, that's, that's everybody. Right. Cause that's what I was like. I used to be so amazed by teenagers, my friends or kids that weren't my friends that I just like admired from afar, which let's, let's be real was most of the kids I went to high school with. Um, <laughs> I used to be amazed that they could just like be in the world and walk around yeah. and not always be looking down like at what they're wearing or like looking at their nail polish or like or like thinking about their braces or like worried about their acne like do you remember that point in high school where you know or junior high really or like the beginning of high school where like even like the prettiest most popular girls like started to get acne but they still didn't give a fuck about it like yeah. I never could wrap my head around the fact that somebody could get out of bed and walk out the door and go to school and not just be obsessed with every single aspect of who they were all the time because that's that's how I was I was so unbelievably insecure and self-conscious did that did that come did that develop in a way, obviously, it's hard to be self-aware when that is all happening, but does that <laughs> feel like it sort of it sort of picked up speed and really became what it was like in the middle of the, all your hormones kind of going crazy and all that? Like suddenly your brain kind of went into hyperdrive self-awareness? <laughs> totally. Like I remember um, acting out things in my head before they would happen. Like I want this mm. to go this way. Like I remember rehearsing what I would say when I passed somebody in the hallway. I remember, yeah. yeah, I really do. And like one of the most strongest memories I have is I had my first real boyfriend when I was a high school freshman and it was a terrible relationship and he totally broke my heart. And I was so like heartbroken of it. I remember rehearsing like in my room, like walking toward the mirror and like pretending the mirror was him and seeing what I would look like if I just like passed him in the hallway and said hi. Like I remember oh. it so, so clearly. And um, yeah, it's funny because I don't quite remember when I stopped doing it. I want to say it was a long time. <laughs> I want to say it was <laughs> maybe like when I first found people that were also doing that and we all kind of realize like oh this is a thing that you know like you don't have to like have anything cool going on with you like you can have acne and you're still an okay person and I think yeah. that was like I want to say it like like in my 20s maybe I met people yeah. who made me feel like it was okay to just be but uh yeah I had no role models for that at all I mean all of the people that I looked up to that I was friends with that I really admired, they all just did it so effortlessly. And I would have been so embarrassed to ask, like, how do you just be in the world? Right, how, are, right. how are you just walking around? Yeah, I, yeah, I guess a, I guess a high school student who's like super cool would not know. That would be a, a large question and sort of a nebulous <laughs> one to try to answer. I had a couple of like very spiritual friends and I mean that in the kind of more Buddhist sense who actually probably would have attempted to answer that for you mm. um, and maybe and maybe said something profound. But for the most <laughs> part, yeah, I think if I I think asking that question would be like, I mean, I don't know. You just be. I know. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because I have teenage kids and my older son 
is so fucking cool. Like he is so cool. He's so comfortable in his own skin. He's like everybody likes him. He's very successful in like every way. He's super handsome. And he's um he's not like when I make him sound like he's perfect. He's not. He just he's comfortable with his imperfection, you know? He's like exactly yep. the way like you want to be. And he wasn't like that when he was younger. His switch just flipped like really young. He was like 12 or 13 and all of a sudden he was just super cool. And when he was still home, he's, he's in college now. He just like has his freshman year of college happening right now. I would ask him that once in a while. I'd be like, how are you doing this? How are you just like getting up and like being you? And like, and he's just like, that is a really fucking weird question. <laughs> <laughs> So even in my own family, I can't get answers. Just can't get them. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Freeport, Long Island, Nassau County, the uh, geological, sorry, geographical center of the universe. I mean, if you are in a room and you say you're from Long Island, like every head will pop up and be like, what town? What exit? Um, Boy, you're really right about that. I can't believe the amount of people I know from Long Island. Oh, yeah. Everybody. (laughs) <laughs> literally how everybody. is it how is that <laughs> a lot of people high population yeah uh, also you know a lot of artsy people and yeah the thing I will say about growing up in Long Island the thing that I did not realize until I left uh, Long Island is the incredible arts programs that are basically like the foundational infrastructure of every high school on Long Island super competitive music programs arts programs very robust um and so a lot of artsy people, you know, uh, I mean, my public school on Long Island had like an incredible and like not so great a school district had like an incredible arts program. And uh, wow. so did everybody else's apparently. And I was surprised. I, I, I wasn't surprised. That's that's a that's absolutely an overstatement. But uh, but you but just because you told me about how hyper aware you were. But one of the pictures that you sent me, uh, both of the pictures that you sent me were were theater related. Yeah. So you did do some performing even if you had that like sort of social anxiety about how you're being perceived. I guess when you're doing theater, when you're doing theater, it's like an agreement you've made that you're like you're in control of that in a different way than just like I have to walk down the hall. So I didn't really do theater. So what I, I was a singer and a music and a, an instrumentalist. And those were like summer theater programs that my music teacher gotcha. did and like made us all of the chorus kids do in the summer. And so gotcha. I hated being on stage. I hated it. So whenever we did plays in high school, I always played in the orchestra or like did some sort of bullshit backstage job. I liked being around all the theater kids because they were all the same as all the music kids. But I definitely liked being part of like an ensemble I was mm-hmm. a singer. I did do like some solo singing stuff, but singing is like you don't have to move your hands when you do it. Like my whole thing with um, <laughs> yeah. being on stage, something I've only gotten comfortable with in the last, I want to say like five or six years is like being on stage in front of people and knowing what to do with my arms. I mean, I don't know how you guys do it. You actor people. I have no idea like how you learned what the fuck to do with your arms. Where do you put them? What do you do with them? I will tell you, I just, this was, uh, we have a very good reference point because Justin McElroy was talking about the difference for him between being on a podcast and then having to translate their podcast, the, the My Brother, My Brother and Me guys um, had a, a TV show for a minute and that was his number one thing. He was like, I didn't, I, I don't know how I ever have used my hands in the past because they became like (laughs) meaningless. Like I didn't know what to do with them. And I really was like, I, I mean, I've been doing this a long time, but I still feel that way sometimes. And I still, I still get it. Like it's the strangest, it's the strangest physical like body 
awareness that comes from suddenly like being on stage with there's a camera on you like yeah what have I ever done with my hands it's what like, have what do I, I do ever with done with them <laughs> where do I yeah, put my floaters, my floaters while I'm doing this scene <laughs> exactly exactly uh what instrument did you play I played the cello and I also wasn't um, a percussionist. So I played the timpani and I was the bass drum captain in my high school marching band. And Ooh. all of those other instruments I played, I also played the bass. All, the, all those other instruments I played were 100% because I liked boys who played those instruments. Like mm-hmm, everything mm-hmm. I did in the early part of my life up until I was, God, I want to say like 35, I did because like some <laughs> of some guy. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> every interest I ever had, uh, everything, everything. Singing was not. Singing I actually just liked doing. Um, but everything yeah. else I ever did up until I was about 35 was because of some stupid guy. <laughs> so it was sort of one guy per, was it one guy per? Was it like one guy yeah, played the cello? I, I would just and collect then guy skills. Played the t- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, it, it, you you were still collecting skills. I think there's there's a there's a school of thought on both on both sides on both genders uh, and everything in between that that sort of says you know guys don't want what they don't want you to like what they like they want you to be girls or vice versa. Um, so this idea that you know you were like well listen this is you know if if I know how to do or I'm in the same sphere as this person then you know we'll have something in common and like I'll. But, you know, by virtue of what I'm doing, be near him. Uh, that that makes that that makes sense to me. I mean, I think some of the things that I still love uh, a ton in, in kind of my like hobby life uh, were came to me through relationships and stuff, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, well, broadcasting came to me through my relationship with Kevin, my husband. He was a TV and radio person for many years. It was his idea for us to start a podcast back when I used to work. I work at my local public radio station. I used to be the producer on a talk show. And he used to say to me, like, you should be on air. You should be behind the microphone. And I was like, no. And he was like, no, you should. You should. And now I am. And now he's like, you get invited on all these awesome shows. And I never get invited on any of them. So I guess I'm still doing it. I'm still like, I'm still collecting skills because of some fucking guy. It's still happening in my life. Do you have siblings? I do. I have two older sisters and uh, yeah. And they're, we're all very different from one another. Like very, very different. Do you put those into the, the, your sister, your older sisters into the category of uh, how did they keep it together? How were they so together and cool? Or was (laughs) was that sort of a separate universe of your family life? Uh, I think I felt that way about them when I was young, but now that we're all adults and I can see that we're all giant messes in our own individual ways, I no longer think that. I do have one sister who's a complete conundrum to me. Like she's lovely and, um, you know, I really respect and admire her, but we are so different insofar as like she knew when she was 10 what she wanted to be when she grew up and then she actually became that thing. Like she's so linear. Yeah. And it's just so hard for me to relate to the sort of linear my, my stepdaughter is that way she's so linear like she knows exactly what she wants to do I have no doubt 100% she's going to do it. everything that she's done it's like next year I'm going to be this and then that happens and then next year wow. I'm like how are you doing to me that's like a magic power that I will never possess okay we're going to take a break I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun Unless you wish you could trade in your own family for the Pearsons, Inside Pop is definitely not for you. Sean, that's a little extreme and also not quite true. Okay, Amita, how about Inside Pop is the podcast for people who love and appreciate the best pop culture has to offer? 
Uh, much better. In every episode, we interview the people who create the culture you crave. Past interviews include the production designer for Fargo and Tony DeCray from the DreamWorks Story Department. You'll also get the very best pop culture recommendations in our Big Sell segment. Plus, the opinions of two TV producers who are pop culture obsessives and actually do wish Sterling K. Brown was our cousin. Kissing cousins, that is. Listen to Inside Pop every other Wednesday on the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. Are you more of a person like like sort of what opportunities seem to be nearby or well I guess you you made things happen for yourself if it involved being near a boy <laughs> which is still <laughs> taking action rather than just letting life roll over you you That's were still right. like making choices that you thought would Was take I? you in a certain direction <laughs> <laughs> How much success did you have from f- with with kind of putting yourself in the spheres of these of these gentlemen? Well, I have to say I am I think that I'm having most of the success I've had in my life in the last couple of years. And I will say um, I think I started feeling like a successful person about six months after Kevin, ironically, told me, stop thinking about podcasting and all the stuff you're doing as a collaborative effort. You are the star of this thing that we do. Uh, I know we make this other show about this other thing, but you are also the star of that, even though I host it. You are the star of this thing you do with Slate. Like you just need to start like getting used to the idea that people are listening to these things because of you and stop dragging our sorry asses with you and saying like, oh, I can only come to this thing. It's like all of us can go. Um, And as soon as like I really internalized that and was like, you mean it? And he was like, no, I really mean it. Like you should actually do that. Um, And I started actually like thinking that way is when things have started kind of coming together and happening. Like, it sounds really, this is going to sound sycophantic and I don't mean it to, but like you and I have become really friendly, like on email and on DMs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that relationship wouldn't have existed a couple years ago because I probably would have not felt like comfortable walking around in a venue without like all the people that I felt like were also attached to this enterprise. I wouldn't have felt mm-hmm. like I could just walk in and be like, hey, everyone, it's me. Hello. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, it might just be because I'm like a little older and I I feel like uh, it doesn't fucking happen now. It's never gonna. So I might as well go for it. But um, yeah, so that's really only happened in the last couple of years. And part of it was, you know, it wasn't that I needed Kevin's like, quote unquote, permission around it or anything like that. Part of it was just being told that because uh, getting into this work and broadcasting specifically, you know, I kind of had I was kind of dragged into it. So it, no one ever actually literally said to me, like, you're really good at this and you should be mm-hmm. like to, thinking about this. So right. it just sometimes it just helps to have that conversation with someone. I mean, I've had that conversation since then with other people. That's kind of reinforced that idea. But yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, a guy may have dragged me into it. But, um, you know, if uh, if if we got divorced or whatever, I think I'd probably be fine. <laughs> That's and he knows That's it. The Boy, takeaway. does he know it. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Sorry, Kevin. Uh, well, that- I 100% know he's going to listen to this. You know what I mean, yeah. baby. You know what I mean. Well, I think that that is I think that is really interesting because, you know, um, I, t- I, I understand that. And I and I think um, it's funny because I think there's a there's maybe a piece of kind of what you were talking about uh, 
with respect to how you felt walking around in your own skin in in high school and feeling like, you know, look at like other people seem to just be confident in whatever opinion they have or, or, or however they express themselves or just being able to roll out of bed and seemingly not, you know, obsess about every little thing. Um, but if you had told me, you know, from from my exposure to you, if if uh, if you had told me like, yeah, you know, I was the captain of the debate team and I ran the school newspaper and I put together the yearbook, um, you know, if you had told me those things, like I wouldn't have been surprised at all. You know, I would have I would have absolutely not thought like, oh, really, that's uh, I guess I wouldn't have imagined oh, you doing that. Like, no, I love being really, in the background. You know, yeah, that was, that was too high stakes because my other thing is like I'm a total I, I'm not good at like succeeding at things. So, uh, well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm better at it now that I'm taking ADHD medication. But as a kid, like I was disaster. Like you give me a responsibility like I would blow it. And so being in charge of something like I always avoided that because I was always like, oh, I'll fail. Like I was once president of my school chorus and I got kicked out of my presidency because I missed oh, too no. many days of school. Um, and you know, why did fake, you miss those days of school? Was it? Oh, when I would you just kid not got go. Sick a lot, or was it? No, yeah. no, I just wouldn't go. I would just ditch and fake and, and yeah. forge notes with my mom's name, and she never found out, which blew my mind because she got calls all the time from the um, principal's office and the guidance counselor's yeah. office, and she would always say like, "Oh, I need to call them back tomorrow or whatever," and then she never did. She Whoa. never did. I know. I got away with it. I got away with it this whole time. So yeah. So. I just I was really good at sabotaging things when I was put in positions of leadership. So I always liked being like number two or three and like mm-hmm. giving I, I I spent a lot of years giving away my work to other people like here, just use this. Just take this like mm-hmm. group work in college. Like I'd write the whole thing and I'd be like, hey, you present that. Yeah, no, you're good at presenting it. You go ahead and present that. Um, and I would just take the B and just like sit back Um so yeah, Cyrano no. de Bergerac. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I am a good social engineer. I will say that is one of my few skills. <laughs> yeah. Well, wh- what would you be doing when you were ditching? Oh, just like hanging out and eating chicken with my friend Kevin um, or... Uh, nothing bad. Like I never went to any parties. I never did any drugs and I never drank in high school. We would literally just hang out and do like pretty much nothing. It was really sad. It was, it was very much like me just avoiding, um, you know, like if there was like a, a high stakes day where you're giving presentations in a class, like I would just avoid that day or whatever. And I went to high school at a time where there was almost no homework and if you were just smart, you could 100% fake your way through high school. Like I, I was like number 16 in my high school class. I literally don't remember ever a single time doing homework in high school. I don't remember <laughs> ever doing it. It's completely different now. It's completely different. If you're my, yeah. my kids in high school now, and I'm like, my my second son, my younger son has a job now um, at a grocery store. And he's coming home from the grocery store at like 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like aren't you behind in all your stuff? And he's like, it's fine. I'm like, it's not fine. That's not how things are anymore. Yeah, right. it was totally different back when I was in school. Did you have a job in high school ever? I did. I did. I worked at a pet store for many years. Well, and that's a so you chain. Didn't, you didn't, <laughs> that you didn't, uh, you didn't blow that, right? You didn't get fired. You, that was something that you showed up for enough that you were able to stay consistent and all that kind of stuff. That's true. That's true. I mean, if, if you want to like pin that as my greatest success in high school is, you know, working at Petland discounts after school every day, I guess I was very <laughs> successful at that. Listen, I'm trying, to give you so- I'm trying to give you something that you showed tanks. up for. <laughs> <laughs> actually, you know what? That's actually something I would have, I didn't have a, a job in high school um, 
I guess because my dad was like, we'll just make this your responsibility. You'll, you know, um, just go to your, school. your responsibility is school to be a student. Yeah. Um, but now that I think about it, a pet store would have been a really good idea, maybe. And you can tell me if I'm right or wrong based on everything you just said. Maybe I'm wrong. But that is a good that's like something that would never occur to me that actually does sound like weirdly calming. <laughs> like, like, you know, not to be all like therapy dog on you, but kind of. I mean, the, I, I wonder if I wonder if that would have like helped mitigate some of my anxiety if I had just shown up and been like cleaning out hamster poop and stuff. Well, that's why it's funny. That's why I strongly encouraged my younger son to get a job. My older son never had a job when he was in school, um, unless you count the very, very braggy semester he did as a Senate page in Washington, D.C., where he was literally a government employee. Um, But he never had jobs. And I was always just like, this is your job. Just do this. Do this well. uh, Help around the house and we'll give you gas money or whatever. And um, my younger son is like not great at taking school as his job super seriously. So... Uh, and he's like, he spent all of his money, like all the birthday money he saved up through the years and stuff. He has no money and he's driving now. So his dad and I kind of got on the same page and we're like, he's not treating this like a job. Maybe he would treat a job like a job. <laughs> and he's, you know, it's only been a couple weeks, but honestly, he's taking it so freaking seriously. I actually do think there's something to that. At the grocery store. Yeah, the grocery store. <laughs> That's another thing I probably could have enjoyed. I, I didn't realize how my first uh, job was working at a movie theater, which is true of many people. And aside from the bully who worked there, who for some reason was just really mean to me and made me cry until I finally like confronted her and screamed at her crying and said, I don't know why you hate me so much. And then she was nice to me afterwards. Um, uh, so that worked. I, that like did, classic thing work. where you confronted the bully worked. It did work. Isn't That's that incredible. Weird? That's super And it weird. certainly wasn't a decision. It wasn't like I rehearsed it in the mirror like you would have. Oh, I would have. Um, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. It was like I, I am much more apt to just have like an emotional outburst, especially at that age. And yeah, it was like I tried to play it cool for such a long time. Now it seems so funny to me. Well, it's 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 too it's it's I'm of two minds at the exact same time. Right. I still get that feeling in my stomach when I think about how I felt then I sort of feel Mm. that way but then cerebrally I'm like this is funny like it's like how much could she have done it's not like it was like you know she it wasn't like summer camp pranks where she like you know put honey in my hair while I was taking a nap or something you know it was like she 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 just was frosty to me yeah Yeah, she just froze me out and apparently that's that's enough yeah that's enough to make me like lose sleep at night and be really uncomfortable and dread going into work and I remember her name was Erin and she had red hair and (laughs) I don't I don't feel like I I I mean I don't even think that we had like said a word to each other she just I, I I got hired and she immediately despised me for whatever reason and I and so there was some period where like you know, we were in the break room or something and she was just completely ignoring me. And I, I just burst out crying and was like, well, I don't know why you hate me. What did I do? Uh, what did she and then say? she got, she was really embarrassed. And then she was like, ah, no, you didn't know. I d- don't take it personally. Like she sort of stammered some kind of don't yeah. take it personally thing. Uh, yeah. And, and then she was just completely cool to me after that. Yeah. But, She's probably afraid of you. 
She probably thought you were bullying her. That's the oh irony my God. of the story. Little did she know I was in the I was in the thick of my worst like panic attacks ever where I would where what was great about being at the movie theater was that like I could go just sweep up popcorn in the back of a movie theater in the darkness because fluorescent lights made me feel like I was going to like have a seizure. So um, that was a that would have been a very interesting time for someone to be intimidated by me because I feel like I looked around like a puppy waiting to get hit with a newspaper just every step I took. So I don't know, maybe she could smell my weakness. That's probably maybe that's what was going on. When you think Um, about that time, I mean, I think about this occasionally and this is like I hope this isn't too dark for your lovely podcast. But are you ever amazed that like you're still alive? Not like yeah. that you didn't not that like you didn't like die by suicide, but that like you could go from that and then be where you are and like just still be in the world like living a regular life like a regular person. It's like that, you know, as 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 dumb as I think that sometimes it gets better stuff can be. Like it really fucking does. Like I it know. really does. Right? I absolutely agree. I really agree. Uh, there was no sense. I mean, it has taken me. Speaking of uh, of you and I both sharing the sort of sense of like something clicking into place as far as whatever, because you and I are 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 near the same age, I think. And I don't I, think so. I think you're younger than me. Well, I don't know if that's true. Um, I strongly suspect that we're we're near the same age i'm gonna be uh, 46 exactly in october all right you're a couple years older than me okay, i knew it of, less than a handful less than a handful i can tell of years older than me. you have that youthful skin <laughs> <laughs> you're telling me a couple of years from now suddenly mm-hmm. my skin is just going to turn into like a prune it's gonna fall off um, your face yeah it's possible your it's, bones it's won't heal possible uh <laughs> but 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 yeah my bones definitely won't heal oh i'm already there sister please i just had an mri um but uh, uh so I think I, I I've been going through I think I think basically like I've I may be having some sort of midlife crisis but like many things um instead of like sublimating and having a midlife crisis that involves getting a sports car or you know having a midlife crisis that involves like having an affair or any number of or getting boobs I'm not really sure if that's a thing that happens but whatever that is like when I was younger you know rather than I mean I definitely took drugs and stuff but as far as like how I handled what happened was happening with my emotions was like oh I just you know I ate food which is so kind of like there's there's a there's not a whole lot of surprise it's like oh oh, really, you did this to feel better. Interesting. It was like very much a straight line from one thing to the other. And um, and so I think my midlife crisis is just like a, a truly having a profound sense of my mortality that just sort of came out of nowhere. Well, as you know, like this year, like, uh, you know, we've, I had and I broke my leg, but also my husband got cancer this year. There and you go. Yeah. this has been a weird couple of years because I, I think I'm on the flip side of what you're talking about. So something else has happened to me in the last couple of years, which I've never talked about on a podcast before. So you're going to hear it first. I'm ready. So uh, in my mid thirties, around the, t- shortly after I, you know, around before I got divorced, the f- I, I'm, I'm divorced, I'm remarried. Kevin's my second husband. Everyone knows that he's like my current right. husband. No, he's my second husband. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I got really fit, like in my late thirties and early forties. I, it was like before my divorce, but also after my divorce. And I like had these really good friends who were like really fit and I got really fit and I got like really pretty and I got really thin and I was like really strong or whatever. And, um, in the last couple of years, like something has happened to my body. No fucking idea what it is. Uh, but, you know, drinking a lot does not help. But whatever. I've gained a ton of weight in the last couple of years. And I'm definitely like, you know, 
I'm heavier than I've ever been in my life. I'm definitely like in my mind, like still really cute, but actually I see myself and I'm like, oh, I'm actually really heavy now. But there was a time in my life, probably when I was like really fit around the time I was 40 ish, uh, where I remember thinking like, this is my best self. Like I can never Mm. be less fit than this. This is making me so happy this is really like redefined how I move in the world and how I am and how people look at me and like where I'm going to go. Like this just feels so great to be like one of these fit people. And what's really interesting is that when I started gaining weight a couple years ago, I start, was like really depressed around it. I was like, oh shit, like this is happening. Like mm-hmm. I'm not doing a good job managing it. Like I'm going to be like this unattractive person and like everything's going to change. Now I'm at this place and I think it's because – because Kevin did have cancer this year and it really sucked. And like, it was like, it was like for a while, we didn't know which way things were going to go. Like he was never mm. like going to die, but we like, we're not getting yeah. good news for a long period of time. And I broke my leg this year and probably professionally, all the most exciting things that have ever happened to me have happened in the last year. I've yeah. realized that like being fat is honestly like one of the least interesting things about me. Whereas if you'd asked me five years ago, I would have been like, wow, like that would be really bad. Like I would be so, I would never want to, like I was, I got, I got really heavy when I had both my kids and I always struggled with my weight when I was young. And I remember like when I was fit feeling just like, so like on top of the world. And it's so funny because just a couple of days ago, I realized I had to get weighed before my surgery. And I'm like, wow, it's a big number. And I didn't feel anything about it. It just felt like, oh, that's just the number that it is. And it feels like that existential dread that was tied with, I have to stay here because things could go downhill. Like, I kind of feel like I just got over it this year because Mm. we actually faced something that was potentially like super fucking scary like checking checking the life insurance policy is scary and you know all that stuff you have to do when someone has cancer and I and it's it is incredibly freeing do you remember you've ever seen like when you were a kid you ever like your parents have any like hippie friends and you'd see like these like older women who like didn't care what their hair looked like or whatever and they would just like take off their tops at the beach and stuff and you'd always be like Mm -hmm. whoa I am not going to be one of those people I'm just telling you that right now But I do get it. I do kind of yeah. get it because they're, yeah, me they're, too. the switch has flipped where it's like this has nothing to do with my like value as a person. It has yeah. nothing to do with like what I can do. It has nothing to do with, you know, I mean, maybe it's also because I have a job where I'm literally behind a microphone and people are not looking at me all the time. But and I'm yeah. not getting that feedback loop. But um, yeah, it's been a really interesting year for that reason. And I think, you know, when we started getting more bad news about Kevin's health, like after his first diagnosis, when it was like, oh, it's going to be fine. And then it wasn't. I remember thinking like, it's going to be fine because like literally like we're going to do everything that we can do and whatever happens is not going to like define the worth of our life this year. Um, Mm. So we're going to get up tomorrow and it's just going to be tomorrow. And then we're going to the next day and it's just going to be the next day. So that that feels like a new thing, like an old lady thing that's just starting to happen to me right now. Uh, comfort I, I, with I, comfort with schlumpiness is basically where I'm at. well you know what though I I mean I think I, there's so so much that I can relate to in that and one of the things I was going to ask you and I there isn't a right answer and I could be you know leading you in a direction that you then immediately you know we do a 180 and I'm like nope I was wrong but uh but as far as the way you describe 
the time in which you were, you know, like really fit and, you know, you were at a weight that felt absolutely ideal and felt like, oh, this is something that needs to be maintained in order for me to, c- to continue to feel good um, as far as what you, how you kind of saw yourself stretching into the future. Like what was going on with you professionally and and what was going on with you? Like, were there a ton of other things that you could point to that you were like, you know, completely un- not tied to how I look or, you know, how, how physically fit I am. All of these other st- things are happening and are going right for me. Or was a lot of what, like, because it takes a lot of work to, to be super athletic and to watch what you eat. And it takes yeah. a lot of like psychological energy to yes. stave off those feelings when you're like, I'm a woman, it's 10 o'clock. I really want cookies. You know, yeah. it's, and it's, it's, it's really like, hard to not be boring because yeah. yeah, it's like, honestly, it was the most boring I've ever been because I talked about it way too much and I thought about it way too much. Yes. And, and I, and I was not doing anything particularly interesting in my life. I think at the time I was working retail like in bridal of all things like this was after my divorce I was just trying to I was doing some freelance writing and just trying to cobble together like enough of a living to pay the mortgage every month and I was working retail and I was like you know, but I, of course, because I did not have a great job, I was able to go to the gym for an hour and a half. Yeah, every going day. to the gym was probably your job. Like being, <laughs> and fit I was, was able your job. to eat really well because I actually couldn't afford. I mean, I like mm-hmm. eating really well. Is I mean, and I know it's expensive to you know, but I wasn't doing like um, you know lean, expensive meats. I was literally doing like half a can of like high protein. Uh, lentil soup for lunch with like half a chicken sausage you know I was doing it on the cheap and it was like it was cheap and it but I was honestly like I look back in time my life and I was like I was really bored I felt so good Mm -hmm. about my the way that I looked and my body and you know I was I I was also like I was you know getting into my relationship with Kevin at that point I think it's really exciting but in terms of you ask me what I remember about like my intellectual life and my curiosity at that point in my life, like it was non-existent. My life was yeah. very much wrapped around in um, in that. And, you know, and I know and I'm not like criticizing people who are fit. I know a lot of fit people who are not boring. No, I was going to say that, too. <laughs> no, I was going to say that, too. It, but it's different for everyone. And I and, and I am very fit now. But I can tell you it is a much much smaller part of my life than 10 years ago when I thought I was going to at any time and by the way because I was would get a part that required me to be in a bathing suit and so I had to I had to walk that line it to me that was a such a huge percentage of how I conducted my day every single day was was sort of walking on that tight wire and there were times where I was like oh my god I I feel amazing like I don't even care about food that much because I'm so excited about how thin I am or whatever uh, which isn't a fun thing to admit I'd love to think that I was always above that kind of stuff because I didn't move to LA for the longest time as I've made clear on my podcast because I didn't want to be judged for that stuff and then I kind of fell into that I fell into it because it is insidious and ironically it's not because anyone ever told me anything. It was just something I, I imposed on myself, probably because I found out how little control you have in this career. And so I think that's one of the things that happens is that people start looking for control wherever they can find it. And if you can find a thing that you can obsess about that also seems to serve you in your career, then you get the feedback loop of like, this was smart. This was smart. Right. I should be doing this. I should right. be never eating carbs ever, you know. Right. And right. so... And so, but, but, but something similar happened to me where, you know, I, it just, at a certain point, like I had too much going on 
to give it as much attention and care as I needed to. And I would have thought exactly this, what you said. I would have thought 10 years ago, like, I don't know how you're going to make this work, Janet. Like, I don't know how you're going to do all this and be happy if you weigh 10 pounds more. Exactly. Like, I don't know how you're... And 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 it's such a relief to, to get on the other side of that, Rebecca. It's such a relief to go, oh, my life, my life doesn't need that. It just doesn't need that. It doesn't mean I shouldn't take care of myself and it doesn't mean I don't take care of myself, but it doesn't need that much like putting yourself under a microscope and, and, and assessing value based on something like that. It just doesn't. Yeah. No, honestly, like it is so much better for you to be with people that you love being around like on a regular basis than it is to be thinking about the fact that you had two extra spoonfuls of lentil soup at lunch. It is so much better right. for you. Like, yeah, honestly, absolutely. like my, my internal life, like, you know, my internal life is incredible right now, you know, and it's, uh, it's really interesting how, you know, maybe it's just because you have to when you get older, like you have to be like more internal. Um, But, you know, I would describe it like thinking about the teenage years, like my internal life was like so terrible and tortured. And it was funny. I was looking for those pictures for you today and I don't have any photos of myself from none. I have none. The only photos I have are those are photos that like, like literally that same music teacher I told you about has like a Facebook group where he posts old photos of old productions. That's where I Mm -hmm. found those. I was like the only place I knew that, any evidence I ever existed on the planet before like 1999 was, was in that, <laughs> in that Facebook group. Sad, but yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I don't think that you're alone in that. And the other thing I was going to say is that, you know, what's, uh, what's charming to me is that uh, having done this podcast now for as many episodes as I've, as I've done and for as many years as I've done it, um, I've seen all, ma- all manner of high school photos and the vast majority of them, everyone looks kind of the same level of goofy for, <laughs> for on some level, like whether it's their hair or just what they were wearing or just the expression in their eyes or their, t- their smile, whatever it is, there's something like that, that you know, it's, it's rare it happens, but it's rare that I see a, a, a high school photo of someone and I'm like, oh, my God, you you were like very good looking and just very <laughs> you, you would like that that version of you would do well in today's world. Do you know what I mean? Like you could yeah. just sort of pluck that kid up and just stick them somewhere and they'd be like doing very well as CEO of an app. I don't know. Uh, Sometimes but, you do like all the all the girls I went to high school with who were really beautiful in high school are still really beautiful. And all the guys I went to high school with who were really cute in high school are all a disaster. <laughs> No offense, guys. Not all of you. Some of you are fine. But those yeah. of you, you know, they're not listening to this podcast. Whatever. You know who you are. You are a disaster. <laughs> and the fact that I even care about what I look like compared to high school is ridiculous because you are all a disaster. Oh, God. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say is that, that, you know, you set this pictures and you did what I would do, which was you sort of, you know, uh, you put everything in context and you sort of explained who the girl was in the photo. Not, not Lisa and you, you, you explain <laughs> I was gonna I was about to clarify you did explain who Lisa N was but you explained who you yourself like the girl who was you and sort of how you felt in your own skin just you know you, you just sort of encapsulated briefly I think you just referred to yourself as greasy but like there Peak was you know greasy. there's a little little context around it but it but again it was like I looked at the pictures and I was like I see maybe 15 percent of like what <laughs> how mortified you know you felt as that person yeah. um because uh, that you you know it was interchangeable with like 
pictures of, you know, people who are like famous, beautiful actresses, you know, who are like, uh, they just, you know, they just, it's just, there's something about it that just feels so familiar and, and nothing about it stood out like, whoa, Rebecca, whoa, <laughs> yikes. Like that was definitely not the experience I had looking at it. So, um, no. so no, I know. didn't feel that way looking at it either. I just looked at that photo and I was like, why the fuck did they always pair me with Lisa? Because, you know, she was, a, she was a soprano and I was an alto. And she was just so cute. Like, oh, even with her stupid 80s hair in that picture, you can tell she's just like cute and has no pores. And we were always put together. We probably sounded good together or whatever. We were always put together. And it was like, I was always just like, and she was so nice. She was one of those. Like, she was also nice. Like, she was not mm-hmm. a bitch. She was so nice. And um, and she was always lovely to me. And after she graduated high school, she'd come back to our concerts and she'd always like come see me and stuff. And she was great. And I'm like looking at the pictures and I'm like, man, at some, on some level, my teacher must have at some point been like, God, this is poor Rebecca. She's always with Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's on some level, you know, that that yeah. had to have crossed his mind, right? I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> he I might have been him. like, oh, teacher. Lisa, that hair, that 80s hair. It's all I can see. It's all I can see. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Do you keep, do you, how many people do you kind of keep in touch with? Like, do you have friends that have stood the test of time uh, from high school or do, is there like an era of your life? (laughs) I have one. Well, yeah, I have one that sort of sought me out. It's funny because um, I never was in touch with anybody from, I literally, I left my childhood home and never went back. I dropped out of college the first time I went to college. I never went back and slept a night in my parents' house for a day after I left for college. My parents like turned my room into an office. Like it was really very much like the youngest child, like wash our hands of her kind of situation. Uh, I never went back. And I, I really did have such a terrible, terrible time in high school that I did not stay in touch with people from high school, mostly because I was embarrassed. I was like embarrassed that they knew me then. Um, Mm. There was one girl I went to high school with who went to the same college I went to and we became good friends at college. And she had been really, she was really popular all through high school and it really like surprised me and and uh, and she was always like, you're so stupid. What are you talking about? And I know this was probably all like me stuff, right? But I, I've yeah. always felt just like deeply embarrassed that those people like knew me and I felt bad for them, like having to interact with me like, oh, they would be so embarrassed because they, they, they knew me. Uh, but then a few years ago, um, it was around the time actually I started the podcast. One of my best friends from junior high and high school got in touch with me and I was casual Facebook friends with some of them. Um but she actually became like a fan, like a real fan. And she started like posting in like our Facebook group and like and sending stuff is this, out. Oh, sorry, and, just a, the, is this these are their stories or is this Crime Writers On? You have she was, a she was a of fan of Crime Writers On first yeah. and but she's gotcha. a fan of all of the stuff we do now. But yeah, and she's like a real fan. And we actually and it was funny because I always like had really good memories of her. But I always felt like um, do you ever see my so-called life? Mm-hmm, yeah, I I always felt like I had like Rayon graft her where I had sort of like cut her out of my life when I like got older yeah. and like was kind of a dick to her. And it was mostly because I hated myself. Like it was totally one of those situations. It was 100 percent. I ran graft her. Um, and uh, so I always felt really bad about it. But then we reconnected and then she actually came to. I did a show with the Bear Brook guys in Brooklyn a few months ago and she came to the show and we saw each other and it was so wonderful and we've been in like pretty good touch ever since then and it just like feels so good and like 
Uh, I have not. I'm still avoiding talking about high school shit because I'm still really embarrassed about it. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, so I have one. Is that sad? I have one. I mean, I have a couple people that I know on Facebook, like I said, but really I only have one that I have actually seen and interact with. But if you, but, but, but not to, I actually, I, you know what, to put too fine a point on it, uh, I can't, I can't disclaim this because I'm clearly asking you to put a very fine point on it. What, like, what conversation about who you were in high school do you think would be had that would make you feel so uncomfortable with the idea of like, Ugh, I don't want to revisit that. Like, what do you, what, you know, because all I've heard so far is like you did a bunch of stuff because you had cr- maybe some crushes on guys. Um, and then you were, and then you, and then you had some anxiety about the pressure of certain things being kind of a big deal. And so you avoided them instead. But that, but that doesn't sound like a, oh, oh my God, I was embarrassed to know you kind of scenario. Yeah. I have a lot of amnesia <laughs> around high school. <laughs> Are you I afraid really she's going to say, like, remember the day you accidentally yes. came to school nude? Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid she's going to be like, do you remember when X, Y, Z? Because it actually happened to me once where I remember like when I was in my early 20s. Uh, it wasn't social media, but I somehow came into contact with someone I'd been in high school with. And he said something along the lines of, I'll never forget that thing that you said. I've never forgiven you for it. And I literally was like, I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. And um, it, it completely justified in my mind having completely on purpose forgotten my entire high school experience. <laughs> because it was one of those situations where if I had said, what are you talking about? It would have made me seem worse or feel worse because it's like, obviously it was important and I <sighs> didn't remember. Yeah. And I know me well enough to know that I did not intentionally hurt anybody. I probably just did something super thoughtless because I was afraid or insecure or scared and maybe just like blew somebody off or something um but yeah no I have super amnesia about it so I just don't want to talk about it like like she we we (laughs) talked when we got together a couple months ago like we basically talked about like our parents and our siblings and that felt very safe to me (laughs) like (laughs) how's your brother (laughs) yeah (laughs) I had a huge huge crush on her brother by the way which uh I did I did confess but um yeah no I I don't know I mean I'm really worried that um I'm going to listen back to this podcast and it's all going to come rushing back and like I'm going to find out that I've murdered somebody or something in high school. That, that could happen. That could happen. That's I don't know. That's pretty interesting. Pretty like Kevin talks about very specific things. Kevin remembers conversations he had with people. He has this really great story about calling this girl he had a crush on and playing Hello by Lionel Richie on his record player and then hanging up the phone when she picked up the phone. Like he has yeah, all these very story. specific memories. I They just don't exist for me. They don't exist except for... Things like practicing running into my ex-boyfriend in the hallway. (laughs) That I remember very clearly. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. This is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. It's a podcast that we do as uh, we ma- we are married. And how's the ad going so far? Because I think it's going very good. <laughs> we talk about things we like every week on Wednesdays. One time Rachel talked about pumpernickel bread. It was so tight. You cannot afford to miss her talking about this sweet brown bread. We also talk about music and poems and, you know, weather. There is one... Weather? <laughs> one time Rachel talked about Baby Beluga, the song, for like 14 minutes. And it just really blew my hair back. 
So check us out on MaximumFun.org. It's a cool podcast with chill vibes. Amber is the color of our energy, is what all the iTunes reviews say. <laughs> they will now. Oh my God. Okay, wait, I got to get into this mash game with you because we've been okay. at this an hour and it could go knowing us for another three. Uh, so, so of course, our mash game can dip into teenage years. It can uh, remain steadfastly like and just only things that matter to you now as an adult. Like we're going to see where this takes us. Um, and, and, and part of like a lot of what I'm going to bring up uh, is just one of those situations like where we might as well have had a genuine friendship leading up to this point because like me, you have a podcast in which I, I you reveal <laughs> things about yourself incidentally in a podcast. So, uh, well, so, plus, you know, Janet, I've blocked out everybody I knew before I was 30. So it's like, as far as I'm concerned, you and I are basically lifelong friends. There you go. There you go. You can just tell so much by what some how someone likes to spend their time and what and what moves them and because you have a show uh, in which you are reviewing stuff which you know that's a, like every week I'm going to hear your opinion about uh, at least one thing usually more um, you know you start to kind of get a sense of like what someone's like sort of artistic enjoyment makeup consists of like in general. Um, so I want to start out with, uh, first I want to start out with, if you could go into any world of a book, uh, just to be with those characters, to hang out in that space or to, you know, to be around a specific character that you've always loved or you just discovered, uh, give me three books that would be wonderful to be able to sort of magically transport yourself into. Oh, that's tough. Okay. I got to go with uh, Prayer for Owen Meany by John Irving. Great. Let's see. It's so funny because like my first thoughts are so dark. Like I want (laughs) to hang out with like I want to hang out with those kids from it to just like be like stop going into the fucking sewer. Yes. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say those kids from it. I would love to go to Derry, Maine or wherever the hell that clown was. Not for the clown part. I'm too scared of that. But I just want to like talk to those kids and tell them it will be okay. I know. Um. (laughs) and god the world of a book another book a whole third i have to have read a whole third book um you asshole (laughs) i'm actually going to go with um uh the very uh british detectives in uh the anne cleves vera series i would love Mm -hmm. to hang out with vera and the scottish highlands and solve mysteries yeah that's great. Uh, I think I probably would have put Vera on there. I, you know what? I started listening to the Kate Atkinson uh, books because Toby had mentioned that to yeah. Laura. Those um, Aussies. No, that was me. Wait, the Kate Atkinson. No, no, no. I listened to all of the ones that you recommended as well. The 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 dry and all that. But then he told. I, but then he said something about Kate Atkinson, and I was like, mm, you know, I don't always agree with Toby, but because he's putting it out there as something that he thought that like the ladies in the group might enjoy, I'm going to give it a listen. And I have totally fallen in love with that whole series of Jackson. Totally, his name is Jackson it's a slow Brody. burn though. It's a slow uh, burn. It, I just it, it takes a long time one. to orient yourself. Yes. Yeah. The fourth one. The four. I just listened to the fourth book and I it was by far my favorite and it really was like oh she is so good at writing like incredibly vulnerable characters totally that 
you that are very very different from one another that you just kind of your heart breaks for each one of them but it's not like a total downer the entire time you're like and still she's very and she's and, very good about writing like about the dynamics of real relationships it's interesting yes. even though there's like some some fantastical like longing in there like the practicality of being in a real relationship like it's very practical in those books yes absolutely highly recommend for anybody I've, and all, you, I know that you also share your feelings of the the Inspector Gamache story. So I was sort of oh my god, oh my god. Oh, but can I can I can I take out the e, e the it thing? Yeah, and put that I, instead because I, I basically I like to pretend the town I live in is Three Pines, even though those books have gotten so schmaltzy and stupid. I one hundred percent want to go live in that town where I might die at any moment because apparently the murder rate is like one in ten. I mean, it really uh, is. There's a tremendous really amount is. of murder happening. Yeah, I'd take out it because I don't want to tell those kids. It's not going to be okay, kids. You're fucking mess. <laughs> Put me in Three Pines. Yeah, I want to go to Gamache and Ren Marie's house for yeah. lamb stew or whatever the you shit. You want to eat some tonight. of those buttery croissants that are always I do. being made. I've, by I've embraced and, my yeah. fat self, so I'm down living there. Oh, she. I mean, she really knows what she's doing when she describes that stuff. Okay, great. Uh, next three. Let's do well. You know what? Now we've brought it up. I got to bring up my favorite, if not one of my favorite uh, topics. Uh, three foods that, in this reality, uh, have some sort of negative impact. Could be on the environment because it's beef. Could be candy because it makes you feel sick after too much of it. Anything like that, or you know, something like this perfect croissant you had once that you've never really been able. You're sort of chasing that dragon every time you eat a croissant. Three things that, in this alternate reality we're building, you can snap your fingers and you can have it in perpetuity with no ramifications oh that's so easy for me this is like the, basically the the execution last meal list right yeah um i really 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 love uh buffalo wings with blue cheese dressing great it's like my favorite food in the entire world salt and vinegar utz potato chips mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Ugh. Was salt and vinegar potato chips something that you always liked or was a salt and vinegar flavor something that that you're pa- oh see that's something that for me I developed a taste for and like young me wouldn't have known what to do about it oh yeah the Utz ones too like they hurt to eat I love that feeling of pain so good <laughs> yes. um and the third thing I'm gonna go for like devil's food cake with the old with the old like buttercream devil's food icing on it like that like that, yeah. that that gooey like cake mix like Betty Crocker like like yeah. Duncan Hines like box oh cake. my god I think if I had I I have I have had to limit my sugar intake for actual health reasons uh, so much now that I do think about that like that's I crave that stuff and I think my heart would explode if I had <laughs> like the cup of frosting that I would have eaten as a teenager like there would be so much sugar in that my heart would just start pounding so incredibly hard I would think I was having a heart attack yep and I had buffalo wings for the first time ever in high school when we went on a field trip to Buffalo New York for like some chorus bullshit thing and um and I and I remember like like remember how I said I would cut school and eat chicken with my friend Kevin yeah like we would eat buffalo wings because we had them for the first time in fucking Buffalo and we're like oh these are so good and like we found this place on like Merrick Road on Long Island that sold them and that's what we would do we would cut schools we'd go eat buffalo wings so yeah this is a this I should probably know the answer to this but are they called buffalo wings because that particular flavor originated in Buffalo (laughs) no idea (laughs) (laughs) so maybe a total coincidence that's what the buffalo kids told us who knows yeah Okay, buffalo wings. Beautiful. All right, next category is three places in the world, whether you've been there or not. So we're just going to assume the best is true about any of these places uh, that you would like to have a, a vacation home. 
Oh, um, three places in the world I'd like to have a vacation home. One of them would be some sort of like North Country Irish or Scottish situation, like Highland situation. I love tromping around in my hunter boots like more than anything in the entire world. Yes. Agreed. Wonderful. Even though I was wearing them when I fell and broke my leg, which was not encouraging. <laughs> Thank you for not um, holding it against the boots. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Number two is uh, I do love the Caribbean so, so much. So beautiful. I'm going to go with, let's see, which place would I go with? I'm going to go with St. Kitts in the Caribbean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I love. And my third place is my local uh, beach vacation that we take every summer, uh, Plum Island, Massachusetts, one of my favorite places in the world. Wonderful. Plum Island. I only have spent any length of time in Massachusetts when I was in, I think, like fourth grade. And I have to say, uh, I had, it, it was one of those, I'm almost glad that I haven't been back only because I have elevated it to such a mythical status that I don't I'm afraid to ever go back for example to Pittsfield Massachusetts which is where my friend Meredith had moved and for some crazy reason Pittsfield to a mythical I've elevated, status I've elevated <laughs> Pittsfield to such mythical status it was like the first time I, my parents for some reason uh felt comfortable letting me fly all the way to Massachusetts from Tucson Arizona it was not there was like no way to get there directly so I had to change planes it was all very frightening but the payoff was even better to be for the first time that I can remember in my life in a house that had an attic and a basement. I mean, that's not a thing in Arizona. Like there's no, nobody has a two-story house, much less an attic and a basement. So to me, that was like, you know, places I'd read about in books, like just the yeah, smell like, like of flowers a musty in the attic, basement. For oh, absolutely. <laughs> it felt like I was in a dollhouse. It felt like I was in a dollhouse. Uh, but yeah, so P- Pittsfield, Massachusetts. And also King Cone, just uh, having soft serve out of a oh, truck. Ki- oh, yeah. Yeah. King Cone, like soft serve magic. is the best. Soft serve is, it's not really food, but it is super good. And then we went to Lake Champlain. Listen, I could go on and on about this this trip that I took. Uh, I Lake remember Champlain it is not very close well. to Pittsfield, Massachusetts. This was I know quite an we went. We, yeah, we went to we we went to Vermont and stayed somewhere. It was I don't know if it was relatives' houses or friends' houses, but somehow we I was in Vermont at yet someone else's house, and we spent a couple of days at Lake Champlain, hmm. which is oh. a very confusing name for anybody who just knows what the word champagne is. It seems real <laughs> weird that there's an L in there, an errant L. Um, Okay. Uh, But this is about you. Listen, next category, all due respect to your wonderful husband, but in a mash game, we always make sure there is a romantic interest. Could be one night stand, could be long term thing, uh, could be characters from a book, movie, actors who play the characters anytime. Mm. Don't care how old they are. It could be a young Paul Newman, whatever. Three. Oh, I mean, uh, out of sight era George Clooney. Oh, my God. Out of sight. What a sexy movie. (laughs) <laughs> it really it's so funny is. because everyone's talking about j-lo and hustlers and i'm like that's so great that she's doing that but like out of sight was one of the sexiest movies i've ever seen in my entire life it's, that movie is it is sexy. the chemistry is so you know steven soderbergh really knows how to get the best performance out of anybody he works with it's it's pretty extraordinary it's pretty yeah. extraordinary not to say he Wasn't... doesn't have hits and misses but like wow <laughs> I, mean, I it's think a he's hit. the one who said that he taught George Clooney how to act without looking down and up through his eyebrows. No, I think you're absolutely right. Which is so right. funny because if you like look at any photo of George Clooney from the ER era, like he's always looking down and then up through his eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> it is. People, actors get tricks. They get tricks. 
They and, do. Uh, um, and somebody smart enough to get them to break him. Yeah. Okay, great. Out of sight, George Clooney. Could not agree yeah, more. Out of sight, era George Clooney. Uh, I got to go with young me. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> Fucking loved Goonies era Sean Astin so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. I would still, even though he's a child, I would still adopt him <laughs> and maybe take him to the attic. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> and oof third this is so hard there are so many oh jamie bamber from Battlestar galactica jesus christ oh the great. most handsome person to ever be on my screen after I uh think he's era george Clooney. very adorable as a tall person uh I, I felt immediately that he was a small man and i was like <laughs> i will feel like a giantess Yes. Like I feel I'll feel like I could just knock him over with my arm like flomp. Uh, but could. he is absolutely adorable. Uh, OK, next category. Let's do. Th- oh, yeah. Th- so three mysteries. They could be small, funny mysteries from your life or three kind of mysteries with a capital M that everyone's sort of curious about uh, that you would like to take this opportunity to know the solution to. And the answer. Oh, the, who killed Heyman Lee? Period. God, who killed right. Heyman Lee? A hundred percent. Number God. one. Hundred percent um, agree. Hundred yep. percent agree. Number two, did an owl kill Kathleen Peterson or not? Oh my God! You <laughs> sorry. All of mine are going to be like you know an owl didn't kill Kathleen, but no, I, I really don't. wanted to believe for a second too. I think an owl did. Um, you do. But what about all yeah. the stuff? What about the stuff that wasn't in the documentary that unfortunately was like it is still out there to be known? Well, what about all of the owl stuff that wasn't in the documentary? There was nothing about the owl in the documentary. Just saying. But didn't they bring the owl up in the next? <laughs> like, they, but they did bring the owl sort of. up the next. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. listen, I, 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 would, I, would I would love like to know to whether or not he did it because I felt yeah. so back and forth on that. Um, I did too. I'd love to know whether or not Michael Peterson did it. I don't think he no. did, but that's my opinion. Um, and third mystery. I feel like I should be going for like bigger things here. Than no, this just, is your, this is, you don't owe the world anything. This it's is my your genre. game. Yeah, You're right. this is your You're game. Right. All right. Uh, I don't care who the Zodiac was. I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say extraterrestrial life, yes or no? Like a- aliens, Ooh, like UFO yes, style indeed. aliens. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, great. Um, God, that was such a good category. I almost want to extend it to the next category, but I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. There are uh, rules. Okay. There are rules there are in this rules. game that you're literally inventing right now. That's correct. There. Okay, so the next one is, uh, I feel that you will find a purpose for this in the same way that I, I do, whether it's the same answers or not. Uh, in your home, your current home, uh, there is a magical door that opens up into a room of your choosing. And it could be as fantastical as it's just the sort of like forest that seems to have no end. Or it could be like, you know, a sewing room or anything in between. But it's but it, it doesn't take up more square footage. It's sort of magical in that way. Oh, um, your magical extra room in your house. My magical extra room in my house. Well, Kevin and I always like to joke about having a map room. So I'm going to go with a map room. Map room. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with a podcast studio that's not actually a closet. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Understood. Although I'm not in the closet right now because of my broken leg. We're upstairs in the actual like office part of my house, which is just basically the room where you put all the extra furniture that doesn't look good anywhere else. <laughs> right. um, and uh, magical anything room. Gosh. I 
would love this is gonna sound so stupid and I don't even want this I just want to have it like I want to have it and then never even if I never use it I just want to have it <laughs> I want one of those like fucking crazy indoor pools like I want like an oh, indoor you mm-hmm. know those people who have like a hidden indoor pool how cool would mm-hmm. that be yeah I mean I would never use it but I'd the be able to show it to people the, oh yeah the quintessential <laughs> version of that for me was uh the mansion in witches of Eastwick did you ever see that <laughs> yes yes it was because it is like a palace that's just a pool with like a bunch yes. of marble statues and stuff i was like i don't know how is this real how is this real uh yeah. a holodeck would be cool though let's be real holodeck would be yeah super ho- cool. well holodeck is like wishing for more wishes it's very smart in that it kind You're of right. gets you everything All else right. i'm sticking with the stupid indoor pool then I appreciate that's very brave of you. I appreciate it. Uh, okay, next category: three fictional characters uh, that you would that, that can be from movies, can be from books, whatever. This is sort of like um, you know, you're, you they you bring them into our world and you can hang out with them and they're like your bud. Oh, is this the thing that when people try to like act cooler than they are, like and and say people that are like really literary, like Gandhi, really, like. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, yeah, you don't have to do that at all. <laughs> I am going to go with... What if you were like uh, ver- Tootie from Facts of Life? I mean, that would be amazing. <laughs> I would be amazed. I don't know about Tootie um, or like, or like I, I, I don't know, like Blair maybe. I don't know. Um, Mrs. Garrett, no. Um, I do love Mrs. I'm going to go with the uh, version of Sarah Koenig that we got in Serial Season 1. I'm sorry, I'm mm. like repeating a theme here. No, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with, well, it's so funny. The characters you like, you always realize would be super high maintenance and pain in the ass. Like you talked about Anna Green Gables, but you just know she would tell you what's up with your own shit all the time. And you do not <laughs> want to hear that. Oh, I just I want somebody quiet and cool. Um, let's see. Jeez, this is like you're like I was. I thought I was prepared for this, and I'm so stumped. I know, um, and I always draw blanks whenever I'm put on the spot. But for some no, reason, it's I cool. Like it to other people. And, and considering literally a hundred percent of all I do is watch TV and and watch movies, it's totally <laughs> fine. Oh, I'm gonna go with any of those girls from Dairy Girls, like any single one of them. I haven't watched Dairy Girls yet. The main one. I'm just gonna say Aaron, the main one. Okay, <laughs> great. And okay, great. I need our number three. Hmm. I'm going to go with, uh, (laughs) I almost said something so uncool. I'm just going to say it. Uh, I'm going to go with current, current day, not former life, current day Carson Daly. (laughs) Oh, that is really impressive. (laughs) Current day, today show uh, adjunct Carson Daly. Great. You know, what I, feel, what I feel kind of bad about is that I don't have a sense of who Carson Daly is at all. Um, really? Yeah, I, I never watched anything he was on. So I actually don't, I couldn't speak to whether or not that's dumb because I don't, yeah. I don't really have a sense of him. Um, yeah, so I don't no think he has a sense of no him either. Uh, he's, but he's just such an interesting, I mean, what's interesting about him is when he was first brought on the Today Show, I was like, this is it. This is the end of journalism as we know it or whatever, right? Yeah. And then every time they do a pop culture segment, um, about anything like he knows so much more than anybody else who's on that show a producer or talent on that show like he's because he was actually there he was like yeah. the douchebag friend of Fred Durst who was actually there in the <laughs> moment where somebody's career was ascending or whatever and he actually adds a lot and he's such a 
doofus dad. Like there's yeah. something about him that I find very sweet in that his moment is over and he's like now just like this guy who was like basically like brought in like from the dead to do it again and he's trying to find his place and I find him very sweet. He's sort of like the Bobby Brady of the Today Show. There's mm-hmm. something about I- him I really like. I see that. I see. I, and again, no context other than what you just told me, but I see everything you're saying and it makes sense to me. So great. Uh, okay. Final category for you. Let's do, let's do alternate universe uh, jobs. Something that, you know, let's assume it's all the good stuff and none of the bad stuff. Cause this is our <laughs> fantasy. God damn it. Mm, um, yes. Something. So it could be like the kid version of what you thought it would have meant to be an astronaut or whatever. Oh, totally. You know? We got to go with marine biologist. That's like the standard one, right? It is. That's a really, really good standard one. That might be the best standard one. Standard marine biologist. I have to go with uh, Olympic figure skater. Mm-hmm. I really hope that the very loud hammering and sawing that's happening outside this room is not going to be. No, it's fine. I think Kevin literally snuck in the house while we were recording this. Oh uh, and I got to go with. Uh, Ellie from Contact, who listens for alien signals over the giant oh, dish. God. Oh, wonderful. Yes. I have seen that movie way too many times because uh, there's a place that I stay when I go back to Tucson um, that for some reason had Contact on a channel on a loop. Like an in, like an inside the hotel channel, <laughs> yeah, with contact just playing over and over and over. And I already had kind of like really shamelessly loved that movie. I and love seen that it more movie. than once. The movie's oh. like a ten, as far as I'm concerned. I think it's great. I, I think the movie's great. Love it. Matthew love McConaughey it. is so hot in that movie. He's he really great. is. He's great. He is. And just yeah, the the whole the whole sort of. I don't know. Yeah, that, that, that movie does many things for me emotionally. So I, I'm not surprised to hear that you feel the same way. OK, let's uh, let's do this thing uh, at the very end of this mash game, the way that I am able to determine which one of these things you get um, is to have you tell me when to stop as I draw a little swirl. So just within <laughs> the next couple of seconds, it's very hard okay. to do over the phone, but Are you doing uh, it yet? next couple Are you doing of seconds, yet? I am now. Stop. Okay. All right. While I uh, figure this out with my very, very important mathematical calculations, not at all, uh, (laughs) will you tell people who uh, may not be as familiar with your stuff as I am where they can find you? It's many things. You offer many forms of entertainment in the podcasting world. So uh, it might take you a minute, which is good because I need a minute. No, it's cool. I do feel like the most adjacent thing that we make that people who listen to your show would like is our podcast, These Are Their Stories, the Law and Order podcast, in which uh, my husband and I talk to a special guest every other week about some episode of Law and Order SVU, break it down, make fun of it. It's really funny. Our guests are awesome. Um, And then we talked about the real ripped from the headlines case that that episode was based on. Uh, We also make a much more popular show (laughs) that I should probably (laughs) plug first uh, called Crime Writers On, where we review... Uh, the true crime and crime adjacent pop culture, other podcasts, TV shows. We kind of break them down, review them, talk about the journalism, talk about what's good, what's bad, what we hate, what we love. We have other weird segments on the show like Cat of the Week. I have no idea why. Um, (laughs) 
I am also on a Slate podcast called Mom and Dad are Fighting, which is a parenting podcast in which I dole out 100% unqualified parenting advice. And we also make a couple little shows for our Patreon. My favorite thing that we make is Married with Podcast, which I do with my husband, Kevin, and which is a shameless homage to Totally Lame, the great podcast, uh, and Totally Married by Elizabeth Lame and her husband, Andy Rosen. So, um yeah, but Crime Writers On is our main thing. That's how I know Janet because we met at a podcast conference and we were doing a live Crime Writers On show there. And I glommed onto her and made her be my West Coast friend. Opposite of time. Reverse most of that information <laughs> of the last sentence you just said and you will have a more accurate picture of what happened. Uh, yes, that was absolutely perfect. Um, I will quickly uh, speak specifically to Crime Writers On just for those of you who write me and say... What are you into? What are you listening to? What are you excited about? What TV show are you binging? All that kind of stuff. Um, I could, I, I essentially can just direct you to Crime Writers On. They just, um, they, you guys cover so much, and uh, it's extra. I just always agree with Rebecca. So basically, oh, like, I know so if nice. she likes something, it's it's a hundred percent true. Uh, I, I know if she likes something, it's worthwhile. I know if she doesn't like something, I don't need to bother at all. So it, it, it's it's there's a there's a, a huge amount of stuff out there to consume. Um, and it's very nice to have when you find your like consumption buddy who just has the p- same opinions as you on everything then you're like oh good like she's gonna screen this stuff for me it's fantastic uh, yeah do you do you find yourself hating the same things I do love when we hate something it is a fun it's fun to talk about something we hate I know for the most part. Yeah. There there are things there have been a couple of times when I when I have already listened to something longer than I should have by the time you guys get around to rating it and you all that happens is I I feel ashamed because I have all of the same problems and all of the same critiques and I and and I realize like oh you know what I've been like slumming it like I've been slumming it listening to this thing I need to stop because I'm doing it just because now I've and now I've you know it's like sunk costs like oh I listened to two yeah. episodes I guess I'll listen to six and when and then when I hear you say when I hear you say something that's like it's so unforgivably bad in this way I'm like she's right I gotta yeah. walk away but you get pot committed I felt that way about many things that I have watched and listened to it's like I'm yeah. in I'm all the way in this better yeah. pay off because I'm committed <laughs> yeah but you know what so if you need a guide there's that for you, not to mention all the other stuff. Uh, there goes that saw again, again. And also, Rebecca is a, <laughs> a sound engineer. So whatever goes horribly wrong with my recording on this end, I'm going to be really bad because this is a person I would rather not happen with. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll help without you. further ado, without further ado, I have a lot of really exciting information for you. Um, Can't wait. I don't even know where to start. This is all so great. Uh, I think I would go ahead and start with the fact that you have a beautiful house uh, in St. Kitts mm, and the Caribbean. Nice. One assumes that you spend a tremendous amount of time there, but if for some reason between your current home and your beautiful home in St. Kitts, you want to escape yet further into a fictional world, uh, rest assured that you can visit Three Pines yes. whenever you want. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, what a... Ch- oh, yeah, I'm very, very envious. <laughs> I might have to come visit you there. That's going to be fantastic. Uh, I don't know if your buddy uh, Sarah Koenig from Serial Season 1 would appreciate Three Pines. I hope she will because she's your pal and you could make the decision to take her along. Uh, and you we, could could have, yes. we could do a ride along. Yes. We could do a ride along. 
you could do a ride along. You absolutely could. Uh, you also uh, could do your, you could listen, you, the two of you could have a podcast together because you have a beautiful podcast studio in your home uh, yes. that just magically exists without taking up any more square footage. That isn't uh, a closet. That's right. It is absolutely not a closet. I want to guarantee that it is not a closet. Uh, I want to congratulate you on <laughs> the time you spent as an Olympic swimmer. Nice. Uh, I was a figure skater, not a swimmer. Oh, I'm sorry. You were a figure skater. I, you know yeah. what? I, I'm writing with a blue marker that is no, it's totally causing cool. such a blur That's that totally I cool. thought that it said swim and it says skate. You're Olympic no, figure skater. I am skater. the Michelle Kwan of podcasting. Let's be real. But listen, I want you to know that for some reason all the ice melts, you're also an Olympic swimmer. <laughs> you'll, just, you'll just morph right into... Uh, <laughs> swimming if the ice right. melts for some weird reason. Uh, and then that leaves us with uh, the unlimited delicious salt and vinegar potato chips that you're going to be able to enjoy nice. with zero ramifications. Uh, perhaps part of that will be crumbling up little pieces of it and licking them off the belly of George Clooney circa yes. out of sight. Yeah. Yes. That's the best a big deal. Peak Clooney. Peak. Absolutely won oh. the lottery on this. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm very, so excited. very excited for you. Very excited. I'm sweating. That's so exciting. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like me in that high school photo I sent you. I'm like so greasy right now from oh, all the God. sweat. It, Thinking listen. about the salt and vinegar chips and George Clooney circa out of sight. It's a real, this is a real like gluttonous game that just makes me very happy because uh, <laughs> you end up with all your favorite stuff. So thank you. Rebecca Lavoie for doing this podcast. Uh, it's been a pleasure and a joy. I hope we get to be in the same room together uh, for one reason or another sometime soon. Um, oh, I hope so too. I really, really do. I'm not just saying that to be a sycophantic podcast. Yeah, no, I like. I love you, Janet Varney. I love. I hundred percent mean it, and uh, and that was like such a huge. Uh, that was a, that was a huge gift that Pod X uh, in Nashville gave me. So I should shout them out because it was a wonderful way to meet some of uh, some of the th- people that I'm a huge fan of. So, um, and then for the rest of you, I will talk to you next time on the podcast. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.